happy Thanksgiving to all of you folks. Brother Sean is short six turkeys, so after the after the uh, service this morning, uh, we're going to go turkey hunting. Brother Sean is going to try to find six more turkeys uh, for our dinner on Tuesday evening, and uh, I trust that you're planning on coming and enjoying a good Thanksgiving meal with us on Tuesday evening. In your Bible this morning, the book of Psalms, Psalms 100, we're going to turn to quite a few verses. That does not mean that we're going to be a long time, but I want you to look at that. I enjoyed that choir special, The Great I Am Still Lives. That's all the reason why we ought to be thankful unto the Lord. Amen. Thursday will be Thanksgiving Day. It's deemed as a national holiday, but I think it is a eternal holy day where we come and thank God for his blessings upon us, to us, toward us, and with us. Thank God he can still use us. Amen. Well, amen. Now, I know we have a big crowd, but that don't mean you got to be quiet. Amen. Just because you say amen don't mean I'm going to preach a long time. If you get along with it, it might be pretty good. You know, I uh, I love this psalm. I'm not going to preach from it. I just think we need to be reminded of it. The Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Psalms 100. Psalms 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, that's why we sing at church. That's why we prime the pump to get it ready to go, all right? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, enter into the gates with prayer, with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Is there anybody here this morning believes that the Lord is good? I can look at my family and say the Lord is good. I can look at the church that God has privileged me for uh, 30 years, now in 30 years, to pastor and say the Lord is good. I can look at the bad times throughout all these 30 years, and there have been bad times and hard times and short times and lean times, and I can still say God is good. You know why? Because God is good and his mercy endureth all generation. Amen. The Lord, he is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Man, I'll tell you, for you rednecks, ain't God good? You educated folk, isn't God great? You know, I, I just think we have a church for everybody, don't you? 
I'm reading out of the book of Acts. One of the greatest preachers to have ever preached the word of God is preaching a sermon. It's called the Sermon at Mars Hill. And he includes something in that sermon I think would be beneficial and uh, very encouraging to all of us today. I take just a precept from that sermon and I read for you verse 24 of Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 24. Great Apostle Paul is preaching there to Mars Hill. And he preaches and he begins to preach and he said in verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their bounds of their habitation. I would be absolutely neglectful today to tell you that there are no football games being played. It would break our hearts today if I told you that all ball games were rained out over Thanksgiving holidays. But for we Christians, Thanksgiving is more than football games and turkey. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And most of us today have a vague idea of what Thanksgiving is all about. The only problem with our history is somebody told us. Is that not true? Everything you and I know about history, somebody told us. And somebody told them. And somebody told them. And somebody told them. Do you think between all them there could be error at all? Do you really know the real story about Thanksgiving? It is said that the crossing of the Atlantic in 1620 by 120 pilgrims who left to come to America to find a new way of life. They boarded the Mayflower, 120 of them, and they were packaged into the between decks, known as the cargo part of the Mayflower. 120 of them, 66 days across the Atlantic Ocean. They were not allowed to leave the tween deck because of the tremendous storms that raged and thusly 120 pilgrims for 66 days stayed in the tween deck 
that was five and a half foot tall for 66 days. Severe weather would not allow them to go to the upper deck, so they pacified themselves and entertained themselves by singing the psalms. It was annoying to a lot of the crew members. And one crew member said to those 120 pilgrims, I'm going to take great pleasure in throwing your dead corpse off the side of this boat when you die because a journey such as this, there is always death and disease. But a strange thing, the only person who got sick and died was the crew member who said that. And they threw him overboard. Ain't God good? The Mayflower was originally used as a transport ship, and what they transported was wine. And just coincidentally, the spillage of the wine in the mid-deck, in the tween-deck, had soaked into the timbers, thusly serving as a disinfectant for all the germs which providentially in the hand of God kept the pilgrims alive for 66 days. Ain't God good? During the 66 days, the terrible storms had broken the mass. And it began to wave and tumble. If this mass falls and if this mass breaks, death is sudden, death is sure. And the pilgrims who were looking for a new land would suddenly sink to the bottom of the Atlantic. Just by coincidence. Isn't that something? Just by coincidence. One pilgrim had brought a long screw used in printing presses. And that screw was used to sure the mess to continue the journey. The pilgrims arrived after 66 days in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. But that really wasn't where they were going. They were going to plant a new colony in Virginia at the mouth of the Hudson River, which now leads to New York City. But because of the wind and the storms, the ship had got off course. And they later found out that a rich Englishman, he wanted to set up a colony in Virginia, so he paid the crew members to take the Mayflower someplace else, to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Now, if they say they had landed in Virginia, more than likely the native Indians would have killed every one of them the day they hit the shore. But... Coincidentally, 
there was no hostile Indians in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. What a coincidence we're here today. But once again, God was in charge, and they actually went where God wanted to be. And it was such an unusual deal. Many years before the pilgrims arrived in Cape Cod, the Indians there had captured a Frenchman, a French trader. And they were going to kill the French trader. And he promised them if they killed him, God would wipe them out and send another nation to take over. Well, they killed him. Things always end up like that. But just so happens that... When they arrived at Cape Cod, the land had already been cleared. The fields had already been tilled. And there wasn't anybody to tend them because all the Indians had caught some kind of disease and died two or three years earlier. What a coincidence. Did you say that? I know you know all of this. Now, you know what history is? It's what somebody told us. The only thing is, we don't always get the facts. Well, regardless of how God was guided, the pilgrims had a very, very difficult time the first year. There was not one family that did not lose at least one person in the family with pneumonia, severity of the storms and the weather. But God was still faithful. And just so happens there was an Indian, not at Virginia, but at Cape Cod, by the name of Swanto. He spoke English. Just so happens he had been taken as a slave to England years before and had mastered English. And he didn't come back to Virginia. He came back where accidentally the pilgrims landed. And he befriended the pilgrims and told them and showed them how to survive in this new world. What a coincidence. But he taught them one thing, how to plant and to harvest the Indians' number one crop, corn. Not a coincidence. But not only did he teach them how to plant corn, he became the recipient of the greatest thing that the pilgrims brought from England, the gospel. 
and the Indian got saved. Two, three years later, he died a saved man, but he had also influenced other Indians with his God. In a severe drought, it looked like all the corn was going to die. The pilgrims had a day of prayer and thanksgiving and prayed that God would send rain. And before the day was over, it rained. It saved the corn crop. The Indians noticed that, and they were confounded because the Indians said when they have a powwow prayer day, it rains so hard the corn is flooded. But when the pilgrims prayed, it rained soft and gentle that revived the corn and did not kill the corn. And it was that crop that initiated the first Thanksgiving. Now, our school kids might have heard that the pilgrims gathered the Indians together and thanked them for teaching them how to grow corn. But the real Thanksgiving was the Indians and the pilgrims met together and thanked God for his divine provision of the corn. Now, what we got to do now, we got to realize what we are thankful for and to whom are we thankful. You could go through the years that when they, when Abraham Lincoln and George Washington set aside the day and then in 1941 when the uh, uh, Congress initiated an official Thanksgiving Day. But I don't think the history is near as important as the present. What are you thankful for? The good things or the things that has made us good? The blessings or the blesser? I think it's a good thing to give thanks. I think it would be good for God to hear us make a joyful noise unto the Lord today. I think it would be good for us to recognize that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. I think we need to learn to be thankful. Let me give you just a verse here. You say, preacher, you need to hurry. I know it. Watch this. What? Know ye not? How many of you are saved? Raise your hand. Now, I know folks are looking. That'll be all right. If you're not ashamed, don't raise both of them. Okay? What? Know ye not? This is 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple? Of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God, 
and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I am thankful today that God is God. Now I know you don't like because I'm a redneck. And I like redneck commercials. And my favorite is Bull of the Woods Chewing Tobacco. It says, Hoss, he's the boss. I'm just glad today that God's the boss. You may jump on your Mayflower and take off to Virginia, but you're not driving your boat. God controls the winds. He controls the tides of our life. God controls the events. God controls the people. God controls the circumstances. Hoss, he's the boss. And I'm thankful for that today. I read one time, it's not in man to direct his steps. Because Hoss, he's the boss. I don't think you could better picture that. I've got ten minutes. Any place in the Word of God better than in the book of Genesis, chapter 37 to chapter 50. He said, you preaching on all of that? And I'm just going to quote it. Word perfect. Now watch this. I thank God for the providence of God in my life. Now you think about it. How did you get to where you are today? Do you think you did that all by yourself? Do you think you're just a, do you think that life is a series of accidents or appointments? I remember when my wife told me that she was pregnant with Andrew. Accident. No. Go ask that doctor again. He was drunk. That first time. Accident. That's the only time I ever surrendered to the mission field in my life. To go by myself. It was always to Alaska. But I was taking a gun. But as I look back over the 20 some years. That which I thought was an accident, was the providence, the leadership of Almighty God. Look back through your life. Joseph was 17 years old, the Bible said in in Genesis chapter number 37. 17 years old, but he was loved more by his father than all the other boys. 
And the boys became jealous, and the family was dysfunctional as it could be. And the boys began to try to find reasons to do away with old Joseph. Seventeen years old, sold into slavery by his own brothers, captured and thrown into a pit and sold to Ishmaelite travel a caravan going into Egypt. Seventeen-year-old kid he was. What a series of events takes place. What a series of accidents. And Joseph now is in Egypt standing in a slave trade and Potiphar buys Joseph. Put in charge of Potiphar's house and uh, probably his wife had been watching Showtime or Cineview or uh, something else or let's make a deal. And Joseph wasn't in the dealing business. Lied to, lied about, rejected, thrown into prison. The Bible says that God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph and God blessed Joseph. He gave Joseph unusual talents and unusual abilities and, and uh, spiritual enlightenment. And while Joseph was in prison, God used Joseph. What a terrible thing for such an innocent kid to be so maliciously misunderstood and misused by parents and by friends. But if Joseph had never been in prison, the baker and the butler would have never met Joseph. And Joseph would have never interpreted dream. And the butler would never have been excused. And he would never have told Pharaoh about his ability, Joseph's ability, to interpret dreams and his spiritual insight. What a terrible thing to happen to a 17-year-old kid. What a terrible thing. But all the time, Joseph didn't forget the Bull of the Woods commercial. Boss? Huh? Oh, it's nice. He's boss when you got a lot of money in your banking account, but when you're overdrawn. Well, old Joseph just kept on serving God, kept on pleasing God. I got five minutes, so just hang on. This is the introduction to a seven-point message. And Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream. But first now, if Joseph had not been lied about, and Joseph had not been mistreated, and Joseph had not been maligned, and Joseph had not, Joseph, go, who would interpret the dream? The butler said, oh, I remember a guy I promised that I'd put a good word in for him. Oh, I blew it this time. And Pharaoh said, go get him. And Joseph, 17-year-old boy, maligned, misused, lied about, imprisoned, rejected, interprets a dream. Anybody remember that? Just coincidence. 
You're no coincidence. No. You mean God goofed when he prayed that, paid that great price for you? What? You're not your own. You're what? Bought with a price. And you've been in charge all this time. God paid that price to let you make decisions about your life. Can you spell providence? Oh, you might have started out for Virginia, but you're not going to end up there. No, God's driving this boat. God's controlling the waves. God's controlling the currents. God knows what's going on. You just need to wake up and realize you've got something to be thankful for. Because Hoss, he's the boss. Yes, sir. And Joseph interpreted the dream and was elevated to the highest in all of Egypt. And those same brothers that sold him into slavery, sold him into bondage, is now hungry. What a coincidence. Hungry. They was watching the 6 o'clock news and found out there was something to eat in Egypt. So the brothers head off to Egypt. But what they did not know was there's about to be a family reunion down in Goshen. What a coincidence. The brothers now, face to face with the little boy with the coat of many colors that they hated and disdained and resented because daddy loved them more than he loved them. Now they sliver in to the potentate of all potentates, the ruler of the national world power. I read this day, Genesis 45, verse 4. Now therefore, be not grieved, this is Joseph speaking, the guy on the throne. Could I have an amen? The guy that's dressed in royalty, could I have an amen? The guy knew what it was to be down and out. The guy that knew what it was to be out and in. The guy who knew what it was to be the lowest of the low and the base of the base and the light against and the persecuted and the mistreated. Now he's boss. And his brothers walks in and he says, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. Watch this now. God did send me before you to preserve life. And boys didn't have a thing to do with that. God was controlling the tides. God not only controls people, He controls nations. He controls it all. I read 
But as for you, Joseph said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. I read one time, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Did you ever read that? Dear God, we didn't come to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We left England to go to Virginia. What kind of God have we got that would get us in such a terrible place where there's no savage Indians and the fields are already cleared and the ground is already broken and there's no one here to kill us. What kind of God do we serve? What kind of God would put a 17-year-old kid through what this young man has done? Oh, the same one that exalted him to the throne. The same one who got the glory for doing it all. How long has it been since you just thank God for the bad things that happened to you to get you where you are today? Is that a like bad things? My favorite place was not going with my daddy to the woodshed. My daddy did not whip, he whooped. And if he had raised the dead, I'd turn him in right today. But some of the best places probably I spent in all of my life was my daddy at the woodshed. Banana pudding. Don't put much muscles on the bone. It lands in other areas, geographical areas of your anatomy. It tastes good. Yummy, yummy to my tummy. Here it comes. Don't last long. It's easy to be thankful for banana pudding. And that's most Christians are banana pudding kind of thank you kind of Christians. But Joseph was thankful for the providences of God, for the appointments of life that we equate to accidents. Is there anybody here today would just like to thank God for him being God. Hmm? Just thank God for him being God. I don't have time. I've got two minutes. I'd just like to thank God today for his sovereign purchase. I don't remember God asking me what the price for my sin would be. 
I read in the Bible that sin demands a sacrifice. What? No, you're not. That you're bought with a price. A price. God not only established the price, he established the cost. And then he paid the price. He paid the price that I might not die. He died that I might live. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which you have, which is in you, which you have of God. You're not your own. You're, you know the rest of it? Bought with a price. Have you thanked God for the tremendous price he paid to get you to go to heaven? Have you thanked God for the tremendous price that he paid to purchase you and pulled you out of the miry clay, set your feet upon a solid rock, and establish your goings, and put a new song in your mouth, even praise unto our God, and many shall see it, and trust in the Lord Jehovah. How long has it been since you just thank God for the sovereign price he paid at Calvary? Sovereign means you didn't have anything to do with it. Sovereign means he thought of it, he planned it, and he paid it in full. Can you say amen? The price. Have you thanked God lately for the sovereign purpose of Calvary? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. God's whole purpose for you and I is to glorify Him. Amen? Hmm? If I created a bug that treated me like we treat God, I'd step on it the first chance I got. You say, you're not a good God. Boy, you got that right. I'm not even a good man. But we have a great, big, wonderful God. And He paid the price that we might bring glory to him. And whatsoever you do, in word or do, deed, do all what? To the glory of God. I'm just thankful today for the sovereign price, the sovereign purpose, the sovereign purchase. And I'm done. You don't believe that, do you? Yeah, I'm done. I thank God for the sovereign, sovereign Sovereign will of God. Ain't he good? When I close my Bible, it means I'm done. I thank God for the sovereign provision of God. I know me. If I didn't have help, I'd get in trouble. Now, I know this flesh. You, you turn this flesh loose a little while, it'll do anything anybody else's flesh will do. There's no difference in Sunday school flesh and bar hopping flesh. It's all flesh. 
You take two Christians and rub flesh together long enough and you'll have two Christians in the wrong bed. Flesh. Flesh. If I didn't have help, I'd be in trouble. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Which are in you, you have of God? Thank God for the Holy Spirit of God that lives in this old wicked flesh to help me live a life that would bring glory to God. Well, I thank God for a turkey. Why don't you just take your turkey and kick it? You ought to thank God for the Holy Ghost of God that's in your sorry, no-good body trying to keep you between the ditches and keep you out of jail and certainly will keep you out of hell. Thank God for the sovereign God of this universe. Well, 